Hi y'all, it's Monday and we're here to get you caught up on everything you missed over the weekend. And there was so much. We had the Tonys last night and the Big Little Lies premiere. And then later on in the show, Nisi Nash will be here with Sylvia talking to her. You better watch and we'll see you on the timeline. But first, snacks. Mm. Oh. My. <laughs> Good morning, Twitter. I'm Alex Berg. He's Zach Stafford. It's Monday, and you are watching AM to DM. And it was the first Pride weekend. Woo! I think, for us at least. Yes. How was your weekend? What'd you do? It was great. I went to Brooklyn Pride, and what I've learned as a Very new fun. New Yorker is that every borough, bureau, was it? Bureau, borough. Borough. borough Still learning York. the terminology as borough a new Yorker. New York has its own Pride. It's so true. From Queens to Brooklyn, you can go to Pride. Yeah, we got a lot of Pride. It's amazing. It's not, just, it? not just the cities, it's yeah. like the localities. It's incredible. Of new York. But what yeah. about you? Your Twitter looked quite fun this week. It was very and fun. And Instagram looked pretty fun. Yeah, it was very fun. I would say that even though it wasn't formally a Pride, there were quite a lot of LGBTQ yeah. people there. My roller derby team, the Manhattan Mayhem, had a game. I am happy to say that we won. Very exciting. Feeling Bravo. a little sore today, <laughs> but it was absolutely worth it. It looks so strenuous. Like, it was I strenuous. worry about your life every time I'm like, oh, I'm like having a martini. Like, oh, Alex is getting hit. It's very it's good like exercise. <laughs> but don't worry, we did some celebrating yesterday, okay. so we had some fun. I feel right. like we earned it, but yeah. Super exciting. Oh my God. What, Way to take us into June. It's good. Fighting into pride. Indeed. Fighting well, on the derby. Precisely. <laughs> and I want to share something that I tweeted this weekend. Here's a photo of my mom marching in Philly's Pride Parade with PFLAG, which is an organization that supports parents and friends of LGBTQ people. You can see her there oh. in the middle with that rainbow scarf on. Your mom Be is such still a legend. My I heart. love this. Yes. And what's so amazing about that photo is that what parents need to realize if you have an LGBT child is that what matters most to us is not just saying that you care about right. us and face to face, but doing things like that, like yeah. showing up to pride. Showing but up. I'm not there to be your your shield. Yeah, exactly. And I have to say, like, I was just so moved by this. And every single year, my mom goes and she marches in pride um, for as long as she's been part of P Flag. And even though I'm not there, mm -hmm. she's really taking a stand, standing up for LGBTQ mm -hmm. people, standing up for kids whose parents aren't there and marching for them. And it just, it touches me every time. Yeah. As I said, this jaded queer New Yorker's heart, it really it's gets warm. to me. I love it. Warm. Yeah, it is, it is, yeah. So speaking of another march, speaking of a march, let's look at another one that happened this weekend. Kezia Nicole tweeted, Megan Trainer's performance at LA Pride made me cry. I don't know why, maybe because her confidence grew so much since the last years. Five years ago, she was just this shy pop star who struggled so much on her confidence. But now look at her. Ugh, I love supporting you and seeing you grow. Look at this rainbow outfit. It's really wonderful. I at first was worried about Miss Megan Trainer headlining mm -hmm. LA Pride. You know, she's not LGBTQ identified herself. She is an ally. But I was like, why don't we have a queer headliner? But seeing these photos and seeing that she had drag queens filling the stage and all of her performers, I think, were queer identified. I was like, you go, girl. She went I over. Will, I will stamp your queer passport today. Just today. get it for you. Stamped, yes. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there was Los Angeles Pride. I said there was Philly Pride. Mm -hmm. There was Boston Pride. There was a Detroit Pride. What am I missing? It's, there was it's, DC Pride. It's a, it was a lot of Pride. I think, that, I think you got them covered. And then this weekend is going to be even more and more and more. Yeah. But let's take it to the timeline. What are your plans for Pride? Tweet us using the hashtag AM to DM. Do you have any plans? I'm going to march this year. Yeah. I'm marching my first New York Pride. Oh. 
I'm How very exciting. excited. And usually I'm not excited about these things. Yeah. Because pride marches take forever. But it's they so do. Well. They it's do. So Little known fact. Yeah, yeah, but it's so well forever. And it is so well 50, which is so well forever. Yeah. And I think it's a perfect time to do it. What about you? You know what? I'm planning on marching as well. I just want to be out in the streets with all the people, soaking it in, you know, celebrating this historic mm-hmm. moment, just being in the mix of it all. Oh my God, are you going to wear your derby outfit? Up Maybe there? I will. I will also say that my roller derby league is skating in the pride <gasps> parade. So that's such an who easy knows? way to I do can, it. You can yeah. just, like, scoot around. Go right through. Maybe I'll have to merge together those two different worlds. I'm going to wear skates and kill myself. (laughs) Well, I look forward to seeing you there. Thank you. you. But listen, the rainbow extended to the Tony's red carpet this weekend. Louis Peitzman tweeted, God bless Hadestown, God bless theater, and God bless the Tony's getting it right. Louis Rattel tweeted, I love the Tony's because all of these people have been preparing to give an emotional speech their entire lives. Joining us to talk about the winners, the losers, and all the camp at the Tony Awards is New York One host, Frank Delella. Hello, Frank. Hey there. Happy Tonys. Happy day after the Tonys. Happy day after the Tonys. Yes, I love it. Uh, So I recently interviewed Ali Stroker on the show, and she won last night. Why was this such a big deal? It's huge, because you know what? Ali Stroker is now the first actor in history to have a Tony Award. Um, You know, she's uh, wheelchair-bound, and she, she won last night. And what's amazing about Ali is that first of all, she's an incredible woman as is, but she is literally changing Broadway with every single theater she touches. This is her second show on Broadway, Oklahoma is, and her first was Spring Awakening. And everyone knows that, you know, the theaters are handicapped accessible for audience members, but they're not for actors. So she made the Brooks Atkinson Theater handicapped accessible when she did Spring Awakening. Now she did the same thing with Oklahoma. So she's changing the backstage of every single Broadway house she touches, which is amazing for performers who are in wheelchairs or um, are in similar situations. That's really cool. I saw lots of people were very enthusiastic about her win. Were there any surprising winners and dare I say losers? I have to say, um, I actually did pretty well. I, I think I won my Tony poll. So oh, congratulations. Oh, um, <laughs> look at you. One big surprise, um, you know, the, the, the winners in terms of the acting categories were pretty much locks. Sands, um, it was, there was a big question for best actor in a play. It was Brian Cranston versus Jeff Daniels. Brian Cranston, of course, took it home for Network, uh, playing the role of Howard Beale. But the big surprise of the night was probably, if I had to say there was a surprise, was the fact that the boys in the band won best revival of a play. Now, The Boys in the Band opened on Broadway last summer. It was a limited run. It had closed. And so there was worried that some of the Tony voters uh, didn't get a chance to see it. But they got the last lap because they did win. It was Ryan Murphy's production that he brought to Broadway. And it was an amazing production. And there are the, the guys from the show and Ryan Murphy is about to film. Um, they're doing a TV film uh, for Netflix uh, in two weeks in L.A., so it's going to be preserved on film, which is very exciting. That is really exciting. So beyond the winners and losers, how did the host do, Mr. James Corden? You know what? James Corden is a Broadway baby at his core. You know, he's a musical theater guy, and that opening number was spectacular. It was nine minutes long, and what I loved about James, you know, he really wanted to embrace the community element of the Tonys, of the theater community, of the Broadway community. And so he had all the nominees, the musical nominees, be a part of that opening number. And it was awesome. And then um, another favorite part of mine of the night with James was he kind of did this little talk show section where he brought Andrew Rannells out of the audience and Darren Chris out of the audience and kind of like he played 
moderator and talk show host and have them go, you know, back and forth with one another, just making fun of them and having a good time. James is the best and he loves Broadway. And I think that came through last night on the telecast. We also mentioned Brian Cranston's speech. It was quite political. And Hades Town, a show with women behind the scenes, also won. Um, my understanding is that that show is political as well. Um, how much of a departure is it from the past or previous winners for a show like that to win? You know, honestly, I feel like Broadway is always ahead of the game. And Rachel Shafkin won for Best Director of a Musical for Hades Town, basically did a call to action in terms of producers, theater owners, you know, listen up. We need more women directors. She was the only female director in her category this past year. And I believe the only female director uh, directing a musical this past year. So it was a call to action. And uh, we saw that last night in her speech. Mm-hmm. So something that stood out to me was Billy Porter's look. Really wonderful, uh, as always. Incredible. You on the red carpet. Were there any others that jumped out to you? Well, first off, let's just talk about Billy Porter for a second because I interviewed him on the red carpet. And do you know his outfit was um, recycled from the curtain of Kinky Boots, which really? is what he won his Tony for. Yeah, that's amazing. I did not know that. Um, some standouts. I mean, I spoke to Jake Gyllenhaal. I spoke to Tina Fey. And the one kind of overall feel that I got from the red carpet last night was that it was a celebration of the Broadway community. You know, Tina Fey and Jake Gyllenhaal, they're huge box office names in terms of Hollywood. But they both said to me last night, they love the theater. They love coming back to the theater. They grew up going to the theater. So it was a real celebration of Broadway and, you know, what the Tonys are, and that's theater. Oh, I love it. I'm going to keep on obsessing over Billy Porter's dress, but Frank, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. So switching gears today, over the weekend, a man was arrested for killing three LGBTQ people in Detroit. BuzzFeed News tweeted, police have charged a Detroit man with murdering two gay men and a transgender woman in what authorities say was an anti-gay attack over Memorial Day weekend. Their deaths come in the wake of a wave of anti-trans violence across the U.S. Callista tweeted, stop killing trans women of color. Call out transphobia. Vote for people who actually want to protect trans people. Donate to LGBT organizations. Trans women, 10 trans women of color in 2019, 158 days. You can't turn a blind eye to that. Erin mm. Knott, Executive Director of Equality Michigan, joins us now. Hello, Erin. Hi, good morning. Good morning. So what do we know about the night of this incident? You know, I don't have specific details about the incident, but I know that uh, the Detroit uh, Department of Public Safety contacted our team at Equality Michigan almost immediately after it happened so that our Department of Victim Services staff could provide uh, coordination with the authorities as well as, uh, you know, wraparound support services uh, for the victim's family and friends. You mentioned offering those services. Has Detroit seen a lot of anti-LGBTQ violence in recent years? You know, we're seeing an uptick in violence right now, particularly targeted towards trans women of color. Uh, We have to be vigilant. Um, And, you know, it's time that we put people over politics. And as you tweeted out a few minutes ago, uh, you know, call out trans uh, phobia and trans hate. Um, You know, we're not into the summer months yet. And our staff is working pretty much around the clock, again, trying to do outreach and coordination and provide, uh, again, those support services that so many in need right now. Mm. And what do we know about the victims' lives themselves? We know that they're LGBTQ, but do we know anything more about their life? 
you know, I know that they were Detroiters and that they were ages 20 and 21, um, you know, living, working in Detroit. And Michigan is one of 28 states that does not have a statewide civil rights law. So in Michigan, we like to say you can get married on Saturday and fired from your job on Monday because we don't have a, a, uh, a state civil rights law that protects us in the area of employment, uh, housing and public accommodations. Oh, I think about that saying all of the time. Um, one of the things you mentioned is that folks from your organization uh, sound stretched thin, quite frankly, uh, in terms of providing services uh, because of this violence. Um, what have you heard from activists on the ground? What is the experience of doing this work like? I mean, you know, the work is needed. Uh, we are headquarters in uh, Detroit, Michigan, but we have offices in six cities across the state of Michigan. And we are constantly on the ground organizing and trying to uh, eliminate some of the barriers that it, that are there uh, for folks that need help, right? So oftentimes when you're a victim of violence or discrimination, harassment, and bullying, there are other circumstances that prevent you from reporting. As an example, you might not be out to your family or to your employer. So we're on the ground. We're trying to uh, build bridges and allow people to come forward, to connect to services, to connect to law enforcement, um, and to get the justice that they need. Mm. So this weekend was Detroit Pride. From your perspective, how did the recent killings impact the celebration? You know, there were thousands of people that turned out for Motor City Pride. The Pride Parade was yesterday. You saw people out loving themselves, loving the greater community, and showing support, showing that they're not going to stay home and be scared uh, because of these senseless acts of violence. Uh, people were energized. People are already thinking about 2020 and the fact that we need to elect lawmakers that, uh, you know, pass pro-equality policies that will ca uh, call out homophobia and transphobia and support the greater community. Mm. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for your work and for joining us today. Thank you. Later in the show, I'll be chatting with choreographer and judge of So You Think You Can Dance, Lorianne Gibson. But up next, we will be reading Fire Tweets, so stay tuned. Welcome back. It's time for Fire Tweets. But first, a tweet from Blasian FMA who said, Happy Monday. Queen's Pride was the first weekend of June. And there is this little video below that I'm definitely going to watch after the Ooh, show. I so excited for that. I hope yeah. it's a live feed of that Pride. Yeah. I mean, it was quite cute. Uh, and I think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I, I think so. I think I saw some photos. Mm, you know? Love that. Love that. Yeah. All right. I'm going to do this. Goro, you tweeted. Not being born into a rich family was my first financial mistake. It's been downhill since. Oh, I'd like, well, I'd like to shout out my fans, my mom and dad. I love you dearly. Thank you for watching the show. No thank you for not being wealthy. And I would like to thank Sally Mae for also watching the show and always knowing where I am at, even when I move on a last minute decision. She's keeping tabs on me too. Always watching. Let me tell you. She's yeah. watching. Put <laughs> a tweet from Free Valeria. Who tweeted, one of the international students was trying to find a way to say white people without being offensive. And he said, People of no color with power, and we just. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. People of color. I mean. People of no color with power. What is that acronym? What kind of acronym? Yeah. People of pomp. pomp. It's like, know. you can just say white people. Just say white people. Just say it, you we know. Can do, we can just do that and move on with our oh. merry days. All right, what a journey. Kelsey, you tweeted. No one. People who got salads for lunch in high school. Just there. <laughs> Shaking the salad. I will say. Getting the even distribution the of dressing. Alex and I do 
I don't know if you do this. I do this when Alex picks up lunch a lot for me. I do, I do. Which I really appreciate. Yeah. Love you dearly. I'm here for you. Um, but I do find myself shaking the salad. Yeah. Like, oh, I gotta get this. Because it's evenly spread. It's true. It's like one of my pet peeves is an uneven distribution of salad dressing. <laughs> oh, your it's list very of pet frustrating. Peeves. On my <laughs> hear ye, hear ye, my list of pet peeves, uneven distribution of salad dressing is it's right like, up number there. Number one, that, then second is like yeah. misogyny. So I get it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> well, wait, you tweet it. <laughs> Bro, this is killing me. Quote, due to high temperatures, we will not be accepting money out of your bra. Did you get this one? <laughs> I did. You understand? And it made me think of this time as at a Sonic drive-thru with my stepmother at the time. And I put a dollar in my mouth and she looked at me and said, just consider how many strippers that dollar has been down. And I've never let that go. And I did stop putting money I also in my have mouth. like no problem with that. But like also that. great. Like we don't have problems with that. Lovely. You know? It's what, I mean, yeah. never mind the like, the ATMs, the other right. type, the banker's hands. So many other like problems. The hand, like the hand, you can't touch a doorknob. Don't yeah. doorknobs harbor like the most germs? Like yeah. dollar bills because of people's dirty hands. Yes, but anyway, I grew up in the, in the South, so you know so, we make these leaps and bounds to certain. Here things. we are. All right, tweet of the day. Yes, let's do it. Oh, tweet of the day comes from Evil Bart. When you are about to ask your parents to go out, but you haven't come up with the plot and characters of your lie yet, mm. you're like, who am I supposed to be with? Where are we supposed to be going? Gonna do that safety call maybe yep. around midnight, convince my parents I'm where yep. I told them I would be. Did you have well, a friend? Well, I'm getting into all kinds of trouble. Did you have a friend that was like always the go-to to make your I did, yes. yeah. So my best friend, Hannah, is three years older and my parents really trusted her. She could do no wrong in their eyes. So no matter where I was going or what I was doing, I was just like, I'm going with Hannah. Hannah, Hannah was your safety Yeah, net. Hannah was, how about you? I, mine was Luke, who I talked about on Friday. Luke. I guess I'm just really- The infamous Luke. Luke is just, I'm just trying to bring him back to my life. Watch him call me now. I like these like secondary characters yeah. of like our season of AMD. Yes. I'm like, this is our sitcom, <laughs> you know? And these are like meet. the secondary characters of our life. I, I look I forward to learning more about Hannah Luke. Hannah and Luke will have a crossover. Yes, please. I love Please, that. yeah. <laughs> well, coming up, I'll be talking to celebrity choreographer Lorianne Gibson, who is a judge on season 16 of So You Think You Can Dance. But up next, we are talking about Big Little Lies. No spoilers. Love it. Maybe just a little spoiler. Love spoilers. I'll try not. After what felt like years of waiting for me personally, Big Little Lies is back, which means Pride Month has officially started. But all anyone can talk about this morning is Meryl Streep, which I'm okay with. All right. Ira Madison III tweeted, girl, the cast of Big Little Lies. <laughs> Quote, what's up, bitch? Meryl Streep. I don't know if it's like <laughs> bitch that pointed, but I'm going to say it that point. I mean, I, that's how I envision it too. Mark Harris tweeted, Meryl Streep and Big Little Lies is going to be our next meeting place for the next seven Sundays. Be here with me. I know you already are. And I am so ready. I will be here. here every Sunday, no yeah. matter if I lose sleep or not. It's incredible. Did. I did a bit. But you didn't watch. I did. So I didn't oh. watch because I was like, let me go to bed early to host this here very show. But Meryl Thank you for Street. your sacrifice. God. Yeah. What'd you think? Oh my God. Okay, so Meryl Streep is a legend icon. Just, there's, everyone today will see a meme floating around about Meryl Streep screaming. It okay. doesn't ruin anything. Got it. She just has this moment where she screams and it literally will get every Emmy. It may get an Oscar and this is just a her. Show. Just the scream. Like she may get like best soundtrack or something. <laughs> I don't know. But the scream was so like. That would so, be amazing. Like, Ah, oh, you felt it. You felt everything. But it was incredible because, you know, this was not supposed to happen. This was a this mini was not series. Supposed to happen. It was supposed to end how it ended with yeah. someone dying. Alexander Skarsgård, bless his heart, dying. Um, but now they're creating this whole new season and this whole new universe. And it's just so fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of the last season. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember it ends with them all on the beach and they have this secret to protect. They got to protect Bonnie, mm -hmm. the uh, Zoe Kravitz character who, you know, gave Perry Alexander Skarsgård character that little 
shove shove to the end. Self-defense. Self-defense. Self-defense, yeah. She deserved it. And that was her shining moment. What's incredible that we notice already is that, you know, this last season, Zoe Kravitz's character was kind of not very present till when she was most needed. She wasn't. Which annoyed me. Um, This season, it is very much about Zoe. Like, it's Zoe's journey. And also this group of women and how they all deal with trauma. Hmm. And, you know, that's something that I'm excited to see dive in as a group of women talking about how the ways in which they Mm. are traumatized and healing through it together. And Mm. I don't think you ever see that. Usually just stops at the the death. And I have to say that the show was very affecting to me because some of those moments just felt so visceral. Um, I also read the book, and interestingly, Bonnie is even less present in the book, I felt, than she is in the series. But to your point also, you know, this is a whole new continuation. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't even know where this is going to go. I I don't think there was any mention of Perry's mom, the Meryl Streep character, in the book whatsoever. And of course, there are some departures here and there from the book. I was glad that I read it as well, uh, you know, just to get myself ready. So... I have to ask, which character do you most relate to? Well, I, you know, I have to say, I don't think that I really relate to any of them. But, but if there were one, it would have to be mm-hmm. Madeline, who is Reese Witherspoon's character. Okay. I just really appreciate the amount of chutzpah she has. She says whatever the hell she wants whenever she, she wants to say it. And she does it in the first episode. And yes. Meryl Streep is there to check oh her. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. You know what people, there's that saying that's like, you know, the straw that stirs the drink yeah. or whatever it is. Like she is that to me. But she's like she's the fancy always one. Like the metal one. Making trouble. Yeah. What character resonates with you? Hmm. You know, I really relate to Nicole Kidman's character, and I don't <laughs> Celeste, know what this says right? about me. <laughs> I mean, uh, unpack this a little bit. Why <laughs> do you relate? But I want to relate to Meryl Streep's character a lot, and I need to get to know her better before I sign up. But, you know, I am a streeper. I think that's what folks were saying earlier back, backstage, was that that's what, uh, we what determined a that's fan what they is, are. a streeper. A fan is called a streeper. Yeah, yeah. So, let's, <laughs> so let's take it to the timeline. What did you think of the premiere, and who do you most relate to on the show? Are you already a Meryl Streep fan? A Streep? Streep. Who wouldn't be? Gosh. I'm so excited to watch this. Maybe I'll try to watch it tonight. We'll see what happens. I'm I have like a whole list. This. I know. I have a whole Twitter, list of stuff to remind get to. me to ask her about this. Okay, story. definitely I will by next weekend. So Great. next Monday morning, we'll be able to watch it. We'll talk That's about episode two. all we need two. to do. We need Great. this. We need this. A problem. promise for you. <laughs> yeah. Up next, Alex Stocks, <laughs> author of Real Queer America, Samantha Allen. Ah, uh, I can't wait. It's Big fan of Samantha's work oh, too. So good. Yeah. joined by Samantha Allen, an award-winning journalist and the author of the book, Real Queer America, LGBT Stories from Red States. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. So we're going to get into your book, but I want to start off uh, with this tweet from you that went viral last week. Elizabeth Warren is every exuberant ally mom at Pride after buying something rainbow from Target, and I'm here for it. I'm here for it. So why did this jump out to you? I love moms at Pride. I love yes. mom and Pride energy where you've got the rainbow gear and they're just so excited to be there. Often their first Pride. I love seeing that. that so is, yeah. Elizabeth Warren with the feather boa dancing down the street really hit a sweet spot for me. Yeah, the, just the purity of the enthusiasm is like so endearing. Um, but I got to ask, which candidates have stood out to you either positively or negatively for their record on LGBT issues so far? Beyond the Pride's March. Yeah, I've, Elizabeth Warren has put yeah. out a really extensive kind of policy statement about LGBT issues. She's got a plan for that, as, <laughs> as she has for so many things. Um, Pete Buttigieg, I've been really mm-hmm. interested to watch his candidacy, and especially um, as, you know— uh, his uh, rise as a gay Christian and saying, mm, like, mm-hmm. I can be gay and Christian mm-hmm. simultaneously. I think that's really important for the national conversation. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah. Yeah. I mean, speaking of Buttigieg and the Midwest, I want to get a little bit into your book, Real Queer America. Um, What do you think we get wrong about the lives of LGBTQ people living in red states? Yeah, I still think there's this assumption that that, um, LGBT life only exists on the coasts Mm. or that LGBT culture is is kind of best on the coasts. Um, So, you know, in my book, I really wanted to challenge that assumption and dive deep into LGBT-friendly communities all across the U.S., Utah, Texas, Mississippi, Indiana, and say, look, LGBT people are here too. Uh, They're in some challenging circumstances, often facing uh, anti-LGBT legislation at the state level, but they're really building amazing communities all across the U.S. Mm. As you were traveling and working working on this book, were there any individuals or communities that really stood out to you or surprised you or even challenged preconceived notions you had about the folks you were going to talk to? Yeah, absolutely. I was um, raised in the Mormon church. I left the Mormon church as a young adult. um, And I went back to Utah to see what had changed in Utah since I last left it in 2007. And I found this amazing LGBT youth center called Encircle that was right across the street from the Mormon temple. And all of these amazing trans and gender nonconforming kids were just like uh, enjoying life in this youth center. And that was so surreal and so touching Mm. for me to see Mm -hmm. kind of sprout up in Utah in the last 10 years. Mm. It it seems like so much of the focus uh, here in New York is often on the big national news making moments. Like this weekend, we were focusing on what's happening with the embassies being ordered to take down their pride flags. Um, What kind of stuff uh, were the people that you talked to most concerned about? Yeah, I think um, the state and local level issues that often kind of don't get the sort of coverage that national issues do or that, say, the Trump administration's attack on LGBT Americans do. Um, So, you know, a lot of communities have been working on getting non-discrimination ordinances passed for their community or getting conversion therapy bans passed at the state level. There's a lot of work that's happening that doesn't always kind of get in the spotlight. Mm. How do you think that the reporting that folks in the media are doing on LGBTQ people should change or how we can all kind of challenge our own assumptions to do better or more accurate coverage of these kinds of people? You know, uh, uh, get out more, I guess, is my <laughs> get out. first piece of advice. Um, you know, I write in the book, like, people need to stop flying over these states yeah. and start going to them and driving to them. It can be hard budget-wise for, for reporters and newsrooms, but as much as folks can, try and get out there and get on the ground. Mm. Well, one of the places that you mentioned was Utah, and you recently wrote a piece for CNN about the fight for LGBTQ rights there. Are there states we should really be keeping an eye on in terms of legislation that could have implications for the direction the rest of the country is going into? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I think conversion therapy bans are really something to watch Mm. because it's, you know, banning conversion therapy, I think, is one of the lowest bars of support for LGBT people that you can clear. So as those kind of spread across the middle of the country, that's kind of a good indicator of where progress is coming. Um, I'm really interested in the situation in Arkansas right now, where you have local municipalities that have passed LGBT uh, non-discrimination ordinances, but then you have a state that kind of wants to shut those down. And that fight is happening all across the country between state legislatures that kind of want to hold back progress on LGBT issues and local communities that really want to get there. Mm. Now, uh, we just this morning covered uh, some of the murders against LGBTQ people in Detroit. Um, you know, Zach and I have been talking a lot about the spate of murders against trans women of color in particular that are happening. But one thing that you wrote about is that how in the heartland it's never been better to be queer, which kind of brings us to this hopeful note. What makes you feel hopeful? 
Yeah, you know, I think I'm really uh, alarmed and depressed kind of in the short term. But in the long term, uh, you know, you can't put the cat of LGBT acceptance back in the bag. Like, from what I've seen in faith communities and families all across the country, folks' hearts are moving in the right direction. Cultural acceptance is, is getting out ahead of legal acceptance, I think. Um, and unfortunately, you know, LGBT Americans still face rampant discrimination, especially transgender Americans. Um, so, like, I'm not saying there's not stuff to work on right now. There's mm. really important issues happening right now. Um, but in the long term, we're going to get to LGBT acceptance. And I, I can't help but be optimistic about mm. that. I'm definitely going to keep that phrase that you said. You the cat is out of the bag. You can't put the cat back into ba- the bag. I'm going to keep on thinking about that. Why was the that. cat in the bag in the first <laughs> why, place? Indeed, why was it in the bag in the first place? Well, I can't thank you enough for joining me. And there is your book, Real Queer America. Thank you so much. And Real Queer America is available wherever books are sold. Up next, Sylvia is sitting down with the star of Claws, actor Nisi Nash. <laughs> This is The Sit Down, and I'm here with actor Nisi Nash, star of When They See Us on Netflix and Claws on TNT. Hi. Hi. How are you this morning? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. Well, uh, you are starring in When They See Us, and I watched all four parts over the weekend and was just so moved by everybody's performance, including yours. And you said um, when you auditioned, you had to kind of reintroduce yourself. Can you explain why you had to do that, you feel? Well, not so much for... When they see us, I had to to do that. But I had just been defined in the industry as a comedic mm. actress, a very um, broad sort yeah. of a style of acting. And so it was hard for me to be seen for other roles mm. because okay. it was like, you know, it very, yeah, it was a very defining style that they were like, this is you, ma'am. And so I had to have a meeting with my team Mm -hmm. to reintroduce myself to them to say, this is who I am. These are the type of roles that I know I can do. And then those auditions started, you know, um, to come. And so it became, you know, um, in, in my mind, it was necessary. Yes, in order for us to all get on the same page, that I'm not just a one-trick pony. Right. I got a couple other tricks up my sleeve. You have the range, honey. (laughs) The range. And I I really believe that, too, because when, you know, when you're, whether it's claws or when they see it, the range is there. And I think for those of us who have followed your career for so long, we've seen the evolution, and I'm just loving what's happening. And, you know, in When They See Us, you play um, Dolores Wise, who is actor Jerome Jerome, who's his mother, because he plays Corey Wise in the film. film and he has said that he's had to deal with the psychological effects of playing this role in this movie have you had any um of that as well coming out from playing this role the one thing that i will tell you is that i've never been a part of a project that provided crisis counselors Mm. um for the actors so if you had a hard day at work emotionally and or mentally there was an 800 number you could call to talk to someone Um, I'll tell you, there were some days that were really hard Mm -hmm. because as a mother, you know, you were watching somebody who could be your child in this situation. And it's very hard. And I'm forever changed because of it. You know, the day I rapped, um, I said, how can I apply myself and avail myself in this space to help others who've been wrongfully convicted? And I became an ambassador for the Innocence Project. Oprah, who is 
always to me the authority on everything posted about you on her Instagram mm. and she said Nisi Nash you killed it with Isis King still haunted by when they see us if you haven't seen it yet please do and for everyone who says it's hard to watch think about the people who still find it hard to live what would you say to the people who feel that they're not ready to watch it yet? Because that's also been a lot of the reaction to it online, which is like, I know this is such a great project and it's like, and I've been hearing all these good things, but I don't know if I can handle watching it. Okay. So this is a two part. The first part about Oprah posting, posting me. Yeah. Um, here's my order. And listen, it's God. Mm-hmm. It's Oprah. Mm. Then it's the Obamas. Don't <laughs> Don't, don't add me. And that's it. Don't, don't fall and in my Listen, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> that's it. I don't want to hear it. So <laughs> I'm with that ranking. Right <laughs> and then your mama can be somewhere and everybody's individual mother can also be somewhere yeah, in that ranking. Yeah. I mean, you choose. <laughs> you, you choose. You choose. Yes. Um, but no, but I was, she is just one of my sheroes. Mm. And so I counted it all joy. Um, you know what you do when um, when when the mother of all mothers, mothers. Yes. You know, does something like that. You cry and then you call your own mama. You like, mama, can you believe it? Oprah posted? Yes, you know. And so I was very grateful for that. Um, and then secondarily, the thing that I would say to people who say they can't watch it or they watch it and they had to turn it off is that if these men... Who, they were children right. when they endured this thing. We, we owe it to them mm-hmm. to bear witness to it. Mm. You can't look away. Yeah. You can't because, no. because change will not come from looking away. I want to get to talk about claws. Claws! that is my show. You know, I stay with, listen, I love a show that focuses on some good nails and yours are claws today. You have yes, to, is that like a Louis Vuitton red bottom on it's the a, nails? It's a red bottom nail. Oh, yeah, girl. That's what I'm giving today. Mm. So in season three, you got to also direct. Yes, I did. What was it like to be behind the camera and do that? I love telling people what to do. <laughs> um, I love being a boss right, yeah. on and behind the camera. Mm. It was a really good time. I loved, um, you know, we film in New Orleans. Mm. And, you know, how do you celebrate your crew? A second line. Yes. I wanted to make sure they knew how much I appreciated them. So we had a second line. I I had t-shirts made. We had another day I had beignets and coffee and, you know, just all sorts of things to let them know I appreciated them. I'm the first director in three seasons to ever play music between setups. Really? So we're listening to a little Stevie Wonder, a little, you know, Shaka Khan Mm. in between setups. Okay. It was, we had a good time. You kept the lit. You kept the turn. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, I love um, your character and Virginia's character's relationship on the show and when I was looking at it seems as though they may be having a bit of turmoil this season because season the last season ended with Virginia taking a bullet for your character yes and then now what could you what can you tell us about the ride or die energy this season will it be matched will it be the same well I think it was uh B.I.G. who said it best More money, more problems. Hey. <laughs> we, we have been, I have inherited a casino this season. Yes. And it come and it is tearing at the fabric of the relationships of these women. 
You know, so that's a, a, a little little bit there. Not to mention, in all of it, you still got love lives and all of that stuff mm-hmm. that has to be, you know, mitigated in it all. So it's going to be a very interesting season. Yeah. And speaking of the love lives, can I say one of the things I love most about Claus from the day one was how seeing women get to have, like, to have those scenes, but where they're, be, they're being pleasured and they're enjoying it too. And it's not just like these boring lives or like these one-sided characters where they're not having exciting lives both in the bedroom and in the office and in the nail salon like there's well, a lot of that the one and i these are women of a certain age right all different body types right um and and are enjoying and exploring intimacy for their own pleasure not just for the yep to be an object of a man's desire but they do what they want to do I mean I play a character who's not married she doesn't have children Mm -hmm. she's on the south side of 40 and she is living her best life her best her best crime life (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) she really is and I do I always I'm like I'm still waiting I don't think enough awards have been given and I'm really just waiting for like them to catch up with this because Klaus is it's a thing like it's every I'm really enjoying seeing where it's going and I also love you and Karushi's relationship off camera it seems kind of like y'all keep that same energy going I love it on Instagram when you guys tease each other in the captions and stuff can you talk about your friendship because did you you guys met filming this is this when you guys met because it seems like you guys have been friends forever no this is not when we met I actually met her prior to cause happening and they were having a really hard time finding Virginia mm. and I referred Karushi and I said well what nice. about this girl oh, you know what yeah, I mean yeah. and she had to come back a couple times and finally they were like yes we're in mm-hmm. so but she's annoying and I'm, gonna, I'm just I'm gonna be honest about that um she's a little sister I never wanted I never it's like having a fourth child. I mean, <laughs> if you have a last nerve, that's the person that's who's going to get on The it. last one. Yes. Sit, Very much like sit, her character. Sit down. <laughs> I'm every day saying, will you sit yourself down somewhere? But she lives to right. annoy me. Mm. It's horrible. Mm. And, you know, I feel like you got, you drop a lot of gems both on the show and in real life. As somebody who follows you on Twitter and Instagram, I enjoy your the, the gems you drop. So what advice do you have for actors like Karushi or even yourself, black women in Hollywood who are trying to do what you've done, which I feel like you showed Hollywood that you're more than just the best friend character or something like that. You can lead a show. You can play a dramatic role in a Netflix special. Like, what advice do you have for other black women in Hollywood trying to find that same range for themselves um i would say study your craft Mm -hmm. and be prepared and then you have to surround yourself with people who see you the way you see yourself because your team you know pushes you forward but you lead the charge but that you you guys have to be on the same page right in order for it to work yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Nisi. It's been thank so you. great talking to you. Season three of Claws airs Sundays on TNT. One Day See Us is on Netflix now. Stay tuned for more AM to DM. Welcome back. Harris tweeted, my jaw just legit dropped because I saw Lorianne Gibson as a judge on So You Think You Can Dance. Finally. Woo! Celebrity choreographer Lorianne Gibson is with us today, and she's the newest judge on season 16 of So How You Th- So You Think You Can Dance. I want to so how you think you can dance. 
My God, welcome. Boom cat. Boom cat. Boom cat. We're doing yes, it. Yes, we were boom catting before we started. Um, I'm amazing. It's so um, good to see you. Shout look out amazing. to my girl who does was happy for tweeting that. Thank you. Love you. Love you. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for being here. And I want to jump into the show. Okay. So it's so much about people following their own dreams. Yes. But was this a dream of yours to do the show? It was not necessarily a dream, mm-hmm. but I had choreographed on the show and I had no idea that I would even think about getting mm-hmm. a chair. Yeah. It's like, mm. And when I got the call, I actually pulled my car over and yes, mother shed a tear because oh. yes, it is a dream mm-hmm. to be in that position to inspire my younger dancers. So, and mm-hmm. to just, you know, stay in the zhuzh of fighting for your oh. life. I'm sure, I'm so sure. So I'm happy. And you were such an inspiration to so many of these dancers. Does that impact your judging style at all? Do you have to think about that when you're giving them advice uh, on the stage? Well, it's two things. Because of course, you know, mother has to be mm-hmm. a little tough. Yes. Right? Because I want you to make it. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, my nature is to inspire, to really speak to the core of your dream, speak to who you are. Because it's not easy, mm-hmm. you know? And if I can speak to you in a place where I can give you Um, a little bit more belief in yourself and in that dream, then that's what I'm going to do. And is it an emotional experience doing this work every day? It is. Tell me about it. Because sometimes when you see the magic Mm -hmm. in someone and they don't believe in it, and you're just like, all you got to do is believe and you're going to get that step and Mm -hmm. you're going to impact and all of us judges are going to agree. So it's really tense because I have a different vision of Mm -hmm. who I think should be America's favorite dancer. Mm -hmm. And so there's three other judges. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely an interesting ride. But your opinion means so much to so many people because you've worked with, you know, Diddy, Gaga, Mary J. Blige. Out of all those people and even the ones I didn't name, who has been the most fun to work with? Ooh, or who have been some top people that have been fun? Because I know choosing can get you in trouble at times. That part. <laughs> um, so they're all my favorite for different reasons. True story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can't really give you the zhuzh because okay. I am very, very private with my clients. Mm-hmm. And I would never give the tea of who has what, when and where. But we want the tea. We want to get messy today. Okay. So the only thing Mother's going to get messy mm-hmm. with is... Um, that I can't really give you that tea. <laughs> but I can give you the tea on who doesn't have it. And they're definitely not my clients. Okay. So, you know, I can't really talk about the other kids <laughs> struggling to find a step. That's not my children. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Your children yeah. are iconic, legendary, Down. walking the balls. Down, honey. Down. Yes. <laughs> True story. Well, what's legendary to me was watching you on Making the Band oh, with the legendary gosh. Danny Decay. Yeah. Do you ever look back at those episodes and kind of rewatch what you were teaching? No, I'm Why traumatized. <laughs> Why I don't. Are you traumatized? It was so good. Because now, like when you see reality TV, they think that's cool. When I first started, they were like, oh, she's crazy. And I'm like, no, I'm passionate. It takes a lot to make it mm-hmm. in this business, you know? And I think that was a misconception. So mm-hmm. obviously my children know mother's intention mm-hmm. and my passion. When you have a dream and you meet someone, you know how difficult it is. So I fight mm-hmm. hard while no one else to be- believes. Mm-hmm. To till it's time, till it manifests. So while it's in that incubation mm-hmm. period, sometimes I'm the only one that holds on to that dream for mm. my clients. So mm. that's why I was so passionate. Mm-hmm. Do I go back and watch it? No. <laughs> 
But I go back and watch it. It was you such do? a fact. Yes, my friends and I in LA, we always are trying to recreate Danny Kane steps all yeah. the time. And I saw them recently perform and I saw a lot of your work you still did? there. How Aubrey, were they? Give they were me the tea. They were doing everything. Don't the, lie. The venue was in Pasadena. Okay. So that was tea that it was Damn. not. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're in a banquet hall. <laughs> Reality <Yeah>. bites. <laughs> no, it's a good conversation though. It's hard out there. Yeah, I'm just it's, saying. It's a struggle. But knowing that it's hard out there, right. what gives you the strength to keep holding on to people's dreams for them? Because you're really out there, their biggest motivator to keep fighting every day. I remember you were out there yelling at the girls, making them fight harder for this dream. And you're like, if this is your dream, you're going to sweat today. But what makes you want to push them so hard? I think it's it's still, I think that's just part of my gift. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that is part of the gift that God gave me. And it's just that I'm a warrior Mm. by nature. And I don't have a problem fighting for what you believe in. That's mm. just my nature because I'm not I'm not one who believes that somebody else should tell you who you are or what you can do mm-hmm. or how you can do it or that your dream is not you know your dream and there's no value or validity in it. So I'm not one to give into the oppression of other people telling others what they should or can be. I love that. I love that. I want to ask you about your fighter. <laughs> I'd love to hear about your experience moving to New York at 18 and working with Alvin Ailey Troop. Because, okay. you know, it's Pride Month and Alvin Ailey is one of the most yes. iconic dancers, but he's also an openly gay man. Yes. Or he was. What was it like dancing or entering into that world at 18? Uh, I, I, I w- I'm from Toronto, Canada. So I saw Alvin Ailey uh, at a very young age at the O'Keefe Center and I was moved when I saw them dancing. And that's what drove me to want to go there. And it was... So intimidating, but so what I needed. Mm -hmm. I was just drawn to the magic of that company on stage. The training, epic. It's what sustains me as a visionary and Mm -hmm. as a choreographer is that I was trained at at the Alvinelli School of Dance and in modern ballet and all of uh, uh, African, everything that they uh, train their dancers. It's just an it's just a magical place, mm-hmm. you know? And I saw Mr. Ellie once. He was in his wheelchair before he passed. And um, I'll never forget. And I was jumping for my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was such a magical place. It mm-hmm. is everything that I am, you know? Yeah, and I feel like you carry that spirit forward. You know, Mr. Ailey was such an inspiration to the world at large, oh, and you've wow. continued to do that for them, for people. Those young queer boys like me, like, you were my icon when I was watching as, like, this little gay boy in high school. I was like, Lorianne is giving me my life. We look at him right now. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. Oh All right. But before I let you yes. go, I must, must know, where does Boom Cap come from? Boom Cat comes from making the band. Thanks, guys. But I never realized that when I choreograph, it's your heart and soul. So if I'm like, mm-hmm. boom, cat, mm-hmm. boom, cat, it's like... And it's like hitting you. Yes, you know? just like that. Yes. Oh. Boom, do it. Just, <laughs> just boom, boom. Cat. <laughs> but commit to it. Okay, let's do it. Ready? Boom, what is it? What do you get? Boom. Boom. Out, titty. Okay, titties <laughs> out. Cat. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Oh my God, thank you, you so see? much. You see, you have to move the atmosphere one more time. <laughs> okay, with we'll it. No, like you know you okay. are. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> I bet everyone's laughing back there. Thank you so much for coming today <laughs> and teaching me to boom cack and kiki like, yes. and spill some tea. You weren't too messy. So okay. The girls can never say that about you. Right. She's not messy. No. I'm not messy. Not unless I want to <laughs> shut you down. <laughs> you can see Lori and the amazing dances on So You Think You Can Dance Monday nights on Fox. 
Up next, we're reading more of your tweets. Stay tuned. Oh my God. Boom cat. <laughs> we just screamed, do boom cat. Welcome back, Twitter. I'm boom cacking. Ooh, <laughs> do it. I could not believe Lori Gibson taught me yeah. how to boom cack. I'm calling my best friend, Vincent, after this and being like, girl, guess what the tea is? That was an amazing that, conversation. Like, people don't realize this, but like she is as iconic as I said. Yeah. And for so yeah. many of us that love watching Making the Band, which is an incredible reality show so that all these other dancers would not exist without, she was the star. And yeah. like to have her here and teach me, it's just, you know, gay boy dead. Damn. I mean, starting on a Monday, like this where do we so even much. go I'm awake, from here? Yeah. I'm awake. Whew. What a time. What a mm. time to be alive. In my water. <laughs> well, Cini Martinez tweeted, this after Sylvia sit down with Nisi Nash, cannot stop thinking about when they see us, everyone needs to watch. Uh, I have just started and it is, you know, labor watching that. But it's yeah. labor we should do. I, I had no idea the depths of trauma that these mm-hmm. young people went through and their families. Yep. And it's something that we all need to, you know, pay witness to uh, in order to stop it. Because if we don't look at it, it's going to keep going. Couldn't agree more. Whew. We wanted to know your plans for Pride this year. So Jolie tweeted us saying... I will be performing at Pride Fest in New York City for World Pride with Tone Wall. <gasps> yes. Okay, girl, uh, I'm see you right there. That's amazing. I'm, I think I'm going to go to Pride Fest. It's definitely on my radar yeah. as one of my plans, so maybe I can watch you perform. We'll, we'll that would be amazing. We'll be tweeting your And to DM yes. in real life. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I would love that. Princess Leia tweeted, the fashion this morning, hard eyes. Mm. We try. So Thank I feel you. very affirmed. We try. It seems like I a little bit of a... You know, girl, this is a little denim jacket. A little, this a little whole t-shirt. thing. You know, <clears throat> trying to be a little bit more casual. Yeah, and we always somehow so. coordinate. This is never planned. We do. Planned. It's not, not ever it planned. It just happens. So. Yeah. We will see if it happens tomorrow. So yeah. before we get to tomorrow, I want to thank our guests today. Sylvia Obell, Frank Delella, Aaron Knott, Samantha Allen, Lorianne Gibson, and Missy Nash. And we'll be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Have a great rest of your day. I'm going to go get some lunch. Okay, check them out. 